Gina Della from Pella. And let me tell you, 555 is back. Get up to five years no interest, five months no first payment, and 5% same-day order savings at Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. See PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at Summerfest, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here's WTMJ's Scott Morris. Broadcasting live, yes indeed, broadcasting live from Summerfest. It is week two of the three-week extravaganza that is the 2021 edition of Summerfest. We'll be here today. Wisconsin's Afternoon News follows me tomorrow, Saturday, and we'll do it all over again again next week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I got you for the next three hours. Come on out, say hi, gesture at me appropriately or inappropriately. I don't really care. Just gesture at me, would you? <laughs> Today till 3, tomorrow till 3. Uh, big show, big show on tap. Coming up in about an hour from now, we're going to talk. You heard Melissa mention it right there. We're going to talk with Rebecca Clayfish, the former lieutenant governor, Republican lieutenant governor under Scott Walker. She announced her candidacy. And while other a couple others have filed paperwork, uh, Clayfish is the first one to... Well, they kick off the campaign to officially stand up on a on a uh, on a stage and with mic in hand say, "I want to be the next governor of the state of Wisconsin." So we're going to do that in about an hour. Uh, there were a couple observations I made regarding uh, her announcement. We'll get into that, and I'm going to ask her about that because um, words are important. Words have meaning, and there there was one word she used in referencing the prior president of the United States, and then there were a couple of words she didn't uh, choose to use, and, and we're going to get into that a little bit and more. Um, also, we will spend some time here this afternoon, as we have all week long, reflecting on the 20 years now since the attacks on September 11th, and today's question, you can start thinking about it now. Don't text or call yet, but uh, the enduring image that you still have to this day when somebody says 9-11, there are flashes of pictures, flashes of images that go through your mind, and we will get into that. Plus, a couple more vignettes, one from a current voice at WTMJ who was working that day, and one from a former WTMJ voice who was working that day. Those two uh, vignettes reflecting back on on their remembrances of that day. But I, I do want to start with this, and it is related to the governor's race. Because I'm starting to think, okay, we're going to have Rebecca Clayfish on for about 15 minutes or so in the 1 o'clock hour. And as I was watching her speech and her announcement address earlier this morning, I started thinking about the, the way, the ways in which I have, and I know many of you as well, have just been flat out disappointed in the lack of leadership out of Madison. And... Look, I'm on record as saying a pox on all their houses because I don't think Tony Evers has been, from start to finish regarding COVID, has been a model of consistency, a model of strong-willed leadership by any means. I also don't believe that the legislature, Republican leadership in the legislature, has been a model of unifying leadership. Neither entities, the governor's mansion or the legislature, have 
delivered for us Wisconsinites the way that I would have hoped. Now, how much can you plan for a pandemic? I think we realized how much you can or can't plan for a pandemic and and the repercussions we see. But in a moment of strife, in a moment of peril, you know, we're talking 9-11, in a moment of worry for a citizenry, you look to your leaders. And just because somebody is elected, just because somebody is elected to a position of leadership does not mean they have the innate qualities to lead. They don't. And that has been reminded uh, of me, uh, reminded to me time and time again over the last year, locally, nationally, statewide, all that stuff. So my question for you, and I know we're still a year and a half. Scott, we're a year and a half away from the governor's race. Are you really going to tee up? Are you really going to tee up a question for us to discuss 18 months in advance or whatever it is? Yes, yes, I am. Here's my question. Give me traits. Give me traits that you want to see in a governor. Maybe it's traits that you think Tony Evers lacks, but you like what Tony Evers has done, and you're going to be voting for him again, but you you have to admit you want him to be better in these areas. Maybe you have no interest whatsoever in seeing Tony Evers back in the governor's mansion, and whoever it is that opposes him, whether it's Clayfish or anybody else along the way, the primary and whatnot, they need to demonstrate certain characteristics that you want in a governor. What are those traits? What are those characteristics? Because whether you like it or not, the political season is already upon us. And fall of 2022 is now in our everyday news cycle with the announcement today and moving forward as others uh, announce and file their necessary paperwork. 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Think local. Think statewide. I'm not talking about Washington, D.C. That, that's another conversation for another day. But as you know the values of Wisconsin, as you know the problems facing us, as you know what is right and what is not right about our state, and as you know what should be better in our state, what are the characteristics, what are the traits that are top of mind to you as we talk the governor's race? 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because I ask this for the simple fact that it's important to keep the words that we'll have here in a couple of minutes from all of you, keep those words top of mind. Because as you hear now, Rebecca Clayfish and others, Tony Evers included, who run to be the highest office in our state, How often will those words, how often will those traits be manifested? Will you be able to watch someone speak? Will you be able to get to know these candidates or relearn who Tony Evers is if there's still 
anything left to the imagination as far as who we know and what we know. If there's anything left, what traits do you want to see in here in your next governor? It's a pretty simple question, but it's an important one. And yes, I know it may be the fall of 2021, but the time has come, folks. The time has come to start talking and start thinking more about it. That's how we start a Thursday afternoon at 855-616-1620. All of you have an idea. All of you have a word, a trait. There are no wrong answers in something like this. It's simply a value that you prioritize over the rest. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Scott Warrison for Jeff. We are live at Summerfest. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Cheryl Crow. She'll be performing tonight on the American Family Insurance Amphitheater, part of the headlining act, Chris Stapleton. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. With the biggest entrant so far, the biggest name anyway, into the Republican primary for governor, Rebecca Clayfish, who will join us next hour. With that news earlier today, just got me thinking as I watched her address about the, 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 the traits and the qualities. And look, this is a question you can ask every election cycle. But the traits and qualities, at such a crucial time for us, Although, side note, I usually cringe when when a, I usually cringe when a a, uh, a candidate of some sort says this is the most important election of our lives, and then I think, well, wait a minute, I thought four years ago was the most important election. I thought eight years ago was every four years becomes the most important election of our lives. At any rate, I digress, but just observe that as well. I always kind of chuckle when I hear that. But there are important things facing our state right now. Um, COVID being maybe the, uh, the tip of the spear in terms of the most pressing matters. We're going to hear from Joe Biden later today. Six-pronged approach to fight back the Delta variant as it continues to cripple the country. Six prongs, as I said yesterday. That's anything over three, people's eyes start to glaze over. So we will see uh, what he says. But as you're thinking about the governor's race, there are traits, there are characteristics that you, you prioritize. Maybe the traits and the characteristics now are not what you once prioritized last time around. When it was Evers versus Walker, maybe there were different things top of mind. But there are traits that you have now, and I want to hear what they are. How do I have no calls? I can look at the, I can look at the text screen. I will do that. That is absolutely amazing to me. 855-616-1620. Accurate Mortgage Talk which is always great because it's talk radio, or text line, for that matter. Um, a couple of uh, traits, for example. Being able to lead and delegate. And I think to the 414 texter who said that, that is something that is at the top of my list. Lead and delegate. There has been a void in leadership. I think in many ways Tony Evers has done what he could based on the powers he has. Some people might say, look, he was way over the line with some of the powers he claimed to have, and the state Supreme Court put him in his place in that regards. But delegation is key as, as, as well. 
because you can't do everything. And you need to be able to put people in positions to succeed below you. And so there is a certain amount of delegation that comes with with leadership. Other traits. Other traits. Transparency. Clarity. Commitment making government work across party lines. I want to hit on that, that, that last point for a second. Because that is humility. That's the top one on my list, folks. Humility. Humility. The ability to say I was wrong. The ability to say, okay, this is not working out, even though I was committed to this path and this trajectory and this is what we were going to do, but the, uh, the signs and the early returns are not good. What other path can we take? What other avenue can we take to solve a particular problem, whatever the case may be? But to say you're wrong, one of the failures of Madison during the pandemic is the lack of humility from the governor's mansion, from the leader of the state assembly, a Republican, and the leader of the state Senate. It has been a you-know-what match since the moment that COVID gripped this state, let alone this country. It has been a battle of egos. And it was a time, and is a time, for anything but a you-know-what type of match, and a time for anything but egos. People don't care about egos when they're trying to stay healthy when they're trying to keep a job, when they're trying to keep doors open to their business. And yet, and yet, because of the lack of humility coming from elected leaders in Madison, because of that lack of humility, they're blinded to truly address the issues that you and I are trying to fight through every single day. 855-616-1620. AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's go to the phones here. Let's check in on line one. We have Mark in Oconomowoc who joins us. Hello, Mark. Have at it. What's your trait? Hey, Scott. Hey, um, yeah, I mean, your your last couple of comments there really kind of hit to the core of what I'm talking about with the humility and, and, you know, let your ego, put your ego aside and really work on both sides of the aisle and really begin to break down this barrier that has been created with this no compromise. You're not a good Republican or a Democrat if you don't follow the party line. That, that's that got to stop. And we got to have somebody that's willing to stand up to both sides and even their own constituency and say, knock it off. You know, we've got to we've got to provide and make solutions to some of these issues. And for me, I guess the biggest thing is, is that. Whoever that leader is, whether it be Rebecca Clayfish, whether it be Tony Ebers, whoever it is, they got to be able to stand up to their constituency and the leadership in their own party and say, knock it off. You know, we went through this thing back in Act 10 when all the Democrats just vacated their post because they didn't like a certain uh, thing that was coming to the floor. They just did it in Texas. And, you know, Robin Voss and his group have really kind of been obstructionist in a little bit of what tony evers has been trying to accomplish by just you know we don't like what you're talking about so we're just not going to show up let our system work the way the system was designed debate the issue bring it to the floor vote your conscience and whatever the end result may be 
be it. But we got to have yeah. a leader in there that's going to direct that traffic. Because right yeah. now we just we're just going crazy. There's a void there. There is. Thanks for the call, Mark. Eloquently said and well said indeed. There, there is. There's a void there, and there's blame to go around on all sides. So there's something to be said. Here's a word I'm going to put on my list here. A unifier, if that's possible. A unifier. Does a unif- Here's the question, though, I would have, and I don't know what the answer is. Can a unifier get elected, or do you have to, do you have to play the game to get elected and then put you in a position, once you're in the office, to be the unifier? I don't know. I'll have to ask maybe uh, Rebecca Clayfish that uh, next hour. 855-616-1620. We're talking big picture stuff here. We're not talking right or left. We're talking traits and qualities of leaders and leadership that you would want in your next governor because it's heating up, baby. The 2022 election cycle is here. More in a moment. Scott in for Jeff. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Hey, even I know this song. (laughs) Cheryl Crow with Chris Stapleton tonight on the AmFam Insurance Amphitheater. 7.30 main stage show. The headliner. Yeah. You know it's a popular song if Scott Warris knows the artist right off the gate, uh, right, right out of the gate, right off the bat. <laughs> I, I, one, of, one of my deficiencies, mark the tape, one of my deficiencies, I'm just, I, my musical knowledge is poor, people. It just is. So I'm telling you, I, I tell Kyle during the break, I say, don't assume I know any of these artists simply by the song that you play coming back from break. But that one, that one, I know. I do. I appreciate all the texts and uh, the couple calls that we did get. Um, another popular one, real quick here before the news, was uh, pragmatism. Pragmatism. Rather than uh, trying to live up to ideologies and philosophies and other maybe more intangible type of uh, qualities, to somebody who's pragmatic. You realize, you, you realize where we are and what we have to do and how do we get better tangibly get better um all good words a couple good texts as well maybe we'll ask that of rebecca clayfish after one o'clock the trait that this state needs most in a governor but first she knows all about music talking about melissa barclay she's back there in the (laughs) wtmj breaking news center no you you know me i music is i it's just one of my uh uh deficiencies it's not your strong spot yes that's okay it's not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that and that and movies about truffle pigs. Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Coheed and Cambria, ten o'clock show this evening at Summerfest, performing on the Miller Light Oasis stage. Scott War is sitting in for Jeff Wagner till three today. Noon to three again tomorrow. I was just saying off the air to, to Kyle, I said, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit. At Radio City, as historic a building as it is, built in the 40s for crying out loud, the location of our studio, if you didn't know, is right in the center of the building. 
And because we're right smack dab in the center of the building, we don't have windows. I've joked over the years that we use the DOT traffic cam, which is a monitor in the studio. I have uh, I've come to appreciate the the traffic cam as our window, and so that's as close to a window as we kind of get at Radio City, at least when you're in the studio. If you're in an office, it's different. Maybe you're by the by the by an actual window. This here is the antithesis of that. As we sit, we're in our familiar location here in our mobile studio right along the lakefront side of things, looking out over the uh, inlet area outside of uh, Summerfest. I can see to the horizon line looking east right now, and there are sailboats and there are cargo ships out there, way out there, and it's a beautiful view. And there's not a cloud in the sky. You don't have an excuse to not make it to Summerfest, and the weather looks like it's going to cooperate today and tomorrow and, and Saturday. I know you got football stuff maybe on, on Saturday or tomorrow. They come out today because there is literally, and you know I am very conscious of when I use the word literally because it is maybe the most misused and overused word in the English language. There is literally not a cloud in the sky. It is as nice right now as it has been Better than anything we saw last weekend. It was kind of a cloudy weekend last week. So come on out. That's my point. Come on out. Enjoy the view that I have by uh, attending Summerfest. It, it opened about 40 minutes ago. All right. Later on this afternoon, a few hours from now, actually, I think it's going to be around 3 o'clock or 4 o'clock our time. I forget which. President Joe Biden is going to announce a six-pronged approach. It's a lot of prongs. I know. I know. Anything over three, and good luck keeping people's attention. But nonetheless, a six-pronged approach to battling back COVID, battling back the Delta variant. And the headline, would you say, the, the headlining prong <laughs> is that he'll be signing an executive order, because, again, this is the era in which we live, of course. Side note, it's never going to get better. If you get frustrated by executive orders like I do, it's never going to improve. Every president is going to continue to use the executive order at a limit not seen like his predecessor, and it's just going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. That's the era in which we live. Presidents rule by executive order these days. But he'll be signing an executive order that is going to announce all federal workers all federal government workers must be vaccinated now you're going to say scott i thought this was already something he announced well earlier he did announce it but but it was more or less a recommendation because he would allow beforehand before he allowed a testing option these are basically more stringent vaccinate, vaccination rules on federal workers. No option of being regularly tested to opt out. You could be regularly tested and opt out of the mandatory vaccination if you're a federal employee before. Not anymore. Your reaction to this announcement, your reaction to this executive order, mine, I'll give the number, 855-616-1620, Accurate mortgage talk and text line. I have zero problem with this whatsoever. I have zero problem with this whatsoever. It 
as uh, Biden is uh, going to talk about later this afternoon, it is taking the federal government and using it as what he hopes is an example for businesses, for companies, an example for the private sector as to how he feels and he believes those companies, and doesn't control over it, but those companies should be treating vaccinations. And the time has come, folks. It has. The time has come for needles in arms. And using the power he has, albeit executive order, we can argue that another time, all federal employees moving forward must be vaccinated. If you, if you are a federal employee, if you are a federal government employee, I am particularly interested in your reaction to this. Whether you have been vaccinated already, then it's a moot point, or whether you haven't. How do you approach this? And if you haven't, if you have not yet been vaccinated, quite frankly, what are you going to do? Is this the moment where the rubber meets the road? Is, Is this the moment where you say, I'm done, I'm out, goodbye to the public sector, I will find employment elsewhere 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620 again particularly if you are a federal employee vaccinated or not this is aimed right at you 855-616-1620 on the Accident Mortgage Talk and text line. It is something that was not going to happen, certainly, until the FDA began to approve fully the vaccines that are out there. This was something, and we, we talked about this. You knew it was coming. Here's an, You can't say you didn't see this one coming. You cannot sit back and go, whoa, Biden's doing what today? How and the where did this? This is completely out of left field. No, you can't say that anymore because we knew, you knew, we knew as soon as the FDA started giving full approval, full authorization, they signed off on it, dotted all the I's, crossed all the T's. This would give not just entities in the private sector, as we know, but this would give cover at the federal level for something like this to happen, and now it has happened, now it will happen. 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage, talk and text line. It's time for you to react, and if you are a federal employee, what goes through your mind when the commander-in-chief, when the head of the federal government, when the president of the United States mandates a vaccination for you? That's next as we continue on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. This is Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner, and this is Coheed and Cambria. Again, performing tonight at the Miller Light Oasis. It'll be a 10 p.m. show on the second Thursday, but the first day of the second weekend of Summerfest. Does that make sense? There you go. There you go. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Yeah, no, okay. I'll, I'll, 
I guess if, if it needs clarifying, I'll do it. Uh, a texter says, Scott, it should be clarified. The president is not mandating vaccination for these people. He's mandating vaccination for them if they want to remain employed by the federal government. Yes, I guess I was... I had implied that, or I was operating under that assumption that people knew. But there is a difference. People will say, Texter goes on, people will say it's a personal decision to get vaccinated or not. It is, but there are consequences to the decision. No, you're absolutely right. You, 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 that's, I, I agree with it all. I guess I will, if I have to clarify. Yes, he's, he's not, if you want to remain a federal employee, going to have to get the needle. Going to have to get the shot in your arm folks that is the news coming out today and um you're as i said before you should not be caught off guard you should not be surprised by this this was coming for a while now and as another texter also mentioned you know it for how long now for how many months have citizenry and we've we've been able to do this on our own and we haven't done this on our own. We, we have not taken care of each other well enough. We have not sought uh, or, or, or seen to it that we, we protect one another well enough. If so, Biden doesn't have to do this. See, that's the other thing. If, if we on our own would have done a better job of taking care of each other, we're not at this point. We're not at this crossroads, right? The Delta variant is... is it's just a minor footnote in history. Unfortunately, that isn't the case. As somebody asked, what are the other prongs? <laughs> White House officials said the six pillars, I like the word prongs better, of the plan that he's rolling out later today, uh, vaccinating the unvaccinated, which includes uh, the, the federal employee mandate, further protecting the vaccinated through booster shots side note there's a fascinating debate going on i don't know if we can get into this today if we'll have time but maybe tomorrow i'm in for jeff one more day have you been following the debate the um on, on the international level kind of like a philosophical debate really on the, on the global scale with the world health organization whatever you think about them after all this saga fine but the world health organization had saying to the to the most uh, civilized and largest countries saying please do not do not encourage your population to get the booster shot yet because we need global distribution to third world countries there are still so many people around the world that have not received a vaccination yet because of an inability to get the vaccine into their country into their arms that in essence the world health organization is saying don't waste vaccination numbers don't don't waste vials of vaccines on people who are already at the booster shot stage rather redirect those vaccinations to nations that haven't even gotten the shot yet it, it that maybe we'll get into that later or tomorrow because that's uh that's a difficult one. I'm still kind of wrestling where, where I come down on that one. But other uh, pillars of Biden's plan include keeping schools open. Everybody will like that. Keeping schools open. How do you continue to keep them open? Biden wants to shut it all down again. No, no, he's very much in favor of keeping schools open. Increasing testing and requiring masks. Protecting the economic uh, recovery. 
and improving care for those that have COVID-19. So that is a list. That is a list of uh, the uh, different pillars that will be announced later today, and they'll have coverage of it all on Wisconsin's afternoon news. Don't forget, former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish, the newest entrant into the gubernatorial race, the Republican primary side of the gubernatorial race. She announced a couple of hours ago she'll join us a little after uh, 1 o'clock, about one o seven, right here. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ Live from Summerfest, of course. Hey, here's another one I know. (laughs) Kyle's playing all the hits. Warris only knows the hits. George Thorogood and the Destroyers tonight, 10 o'clock, Summerfest, U.S. Cellular Connection stage. The big gig is here, and WTMJ is your home for all things Summerfest. We bring you straight to the stage as we broadcast live every day. Right here, we are right now, case in point, from the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. It is the world's largest music festival on the biggest stick in the state, combining both powers. Wisconsin's radio station, News Radio, WTMJ. Now, a couple people um, on the text slide have made this point, and here's another uh, philosophical debate that we don't have time to get into at the moment. Is getting the vaccine a personal decision? Is it really? Is getting vaccinated a personal decision? Considering, some would say, considering the role of passage from one human being to another when it comes to this god-awful disease, is it really a personal decision? Don't, don't, ask, don't ask if you're vaccinated or not. That's private information. I, the more you think about it, you go, is it really a personal call? Is it really a personal decision? Again, don't have time to get into that debate. Maybe tomorrow we will. What we will have coming up after the newscast, however, is former Lieutenant Governor of the state of Wisconsin, Rebecca Clayfish, who fought back a recall. Remember, it wasn't just Scott Walker they were trying to recall. It was Clayfish as well as his number two and uh, fought back that recall effort. She announced earlier today that she would seek the Republican nomination to challenge Tony Evers. Not this fall, it's, I know it's next fall yet, but it's, it's time, ladies and gentlemen, as we said before, it's time to ramp it up. So, Rebecca Clayfish, we're going to talk a little COVID, we're going to talk about some of the things she said today in her kickoff address, as it were, and maybe I'll ask her the question we were talking about earlier in the 12 o'clock hour, the trait that this state needs most in their next governor. Rebecca Clayfish. After the news with Melissa, that's next on WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Mobile Studio at Summerfest, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here's WTMJ's Scott Morris. All right, let's go right to the guest line, shall we? Joining us. Here on the Wagner List program is the most recent entrant into the Republican primary for governor. It is former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish. Long time no talk. What's new with you? Scott, <laughs> how are you? Well, the new thing with me is I am running for governor of the great state of Wisconsin. I hear these things. Word has, word yeah, has made it's, it here. Okay. So- it's the worst kept <laughs> secret in Wisconsin politics. You don't need to tell me. But yeah. I am running 
because as you know, I have two daughters and I just want them to be able to come back here and live their American dreams. I want them to one day raise their families here, but we've got to have safe communities. We've got to have schools with more choice and actual standards. We've got to have good paying jobs. And we certainly can't accomplish any of that stuff with Tony Evers' weak, failed, incompetent leadership. You know, uh, we were talking earlier in the hour, er, earlier last hour, and um, we were discussing traits because, um, Lieutenant Governor, I'll, I'll be honest, I've been really disappointed. I, I've, I've talked about it throughout the, the entire pandemic. I feel Madison has let us down. And it's not just yeah. Evers, it's leaders in the legislature as well. I just, as much as anybody could ever plan for a pandemic, I think we've learned some lessons there too. I just feel like we should have been better all the way around. They should have been better to us, and uh, our leaders elected should have been better for us. So what trait, what trait do you bring that will be different from what we've seen, especially over the last 18 months in Madison? Strength, guts, and preparedness. Scott, you've known me for a really long time. I mean, years ago, you and I planned the Right Women Awards together because we wanted to salute conservative female fighters across Wisconsin. And that's what we need right now. We need a conservative fighter for the people of Wisconsin. Tony Evers failed when he shut down the economy through a one-size-fits-all approach all across Wisconsin and chose winners and losers. And then on top of that, couldn't even be bothered to pick up the phone when tens of thousands of Wisconsinites simply called trying to get their unemployment. And then when the economy starts to recover and folks are hanging help wanted signs and asking customers to be patient all over the state, Tony Evers is literally paying people to sit on the sidelines. He is so not up to this moment in history. It's time we replace him with someone who is strong, and that is why I am running for governor. We need someone who sides with the law enforcement community and believes honestly that it's no good to have good people have bad things happen to them and the bad guys don't get punished at all. We need to back the blue, and Tony Evers sides with rioters. And it took two men to die and $50 million to go up and smoke before he ever even bothered showing up in Kenosha. But it's not just that. It's education, where we've seen kids locked out of their schools for the last year and a half, enduring learning loss and epidemic of anxiety and depression, simply so Tony Evers can side with the teachers' union bosses who got him elected in the first place. And notice there, I didn't say teachers. The teachers I know are heartbroken by the suffering that their kids have been enduring over the last year and a half. And it's not only those three things. We need election integrity now in the state of Wisconsin. I've said it time and time again. We need to make it easy to vote, but hard to cheat. You, you, I want to I touch on election integrity. I want to touch on, on the pandemic. Uh, just one more note on working with the legislature. Um, how do you do that, knowing that it takes more than just having the, the R behind your name and, and 
probably the R behind leaders in both uh, Chambers and Madison. What beyond the same party would, would allow you that, uh, that ability to work together? Because even, I mean, as, as, as uh, Scott Walker knows, that, that wasn't always easy as well, even when he had Republicans on his side in the legislature. I respect having equal branches of government, but at the same time, Scott, one of my strengths is relationship building. You know, I come from news, and so I come from a background of listening first. And frankly, I've done 50 listening sessions this year alone because the best policy is dictated to the government by the people and not the other way around. But listening is key and important. And I have built relationships with our legislative majorities and the individuals who make them up for the last 12 years. You remember, I came up through the Tea Party movement back in 2010. There are a lot of people who told me, a lot of people who called in to your radio station who said there is no way that Clayfish could possibly win lieutenant governor. She's an outsider. She's a Tea Partier. And I beat the establishment by 21 points. And a lot of that goes to work ethic. And I have worked on the relationships that I have built with legislators. I have worked on the relationships that I have built with the people of the great state of Wisconsin. I respect them and I want to fight for them. Mm -hmm. You mentioned the issue of the election integrity. And I got this text last hour. And I'm going to read this text. This is from a 920. I am a conservative Republican, but I will not vote for any candidate for governor who continues to support the debunked idea that Trump actually won the election. We need a governor who will address the problems in the state, and that may mean standing up to the Republican base. Do you believe that Donald Trump legitimately lost the U.S. presidency and legitimately lost the state of Wisconsin? I have said many times, Scott, that I believe Joe Biden is the president of the United States. I also believe that we have a huge number of voters across the state who today stand disenfranchised by what happened last fall, who don't want to go back in and vote because they believe their vote won't count. And so I think there needs to be an investigation that satisfies the folks who are deeply concerned about election integrity in the state of Wisconsin. And I think that once we have satisfied that and we have a massive grassroots effort, we will retake the state of Wisconsin and the governor's office. So when it comes to the uh, the investigation that, that is ongoing, um, kind of spearheaded right now by former Justice uh, Gableman. Is that an initiative you support in its current form? Does it cost too much? You know, $676,000 raises a lot of eyebrows. What do you make of that current initiative? Scott, we've got to do whatever it takes in order to make sure that people go back and vote. It is a danger to our democratic republic if people refuse to go and vote because they don't trust our elections anymore. That is a greater danger to our civil society than anything I can think of. People who will no longer vote for the leaders of our state and our country. 
Rebecca Clayfish, former lieutenant governor, of course, Republican lieutenant governor, joining us here for just a couple more moments on WTMJ. I know your schedule is tight, so I, I really do appreciate the time you're giving us here hey, on the I'm, Wagner Show. I'm on show. my way from Appleton to Wausau right now. Um, just a, a regular day in the life. And, hey, if you want to catch up with us, make sure you hop on RebeccaForGovernor.com. That's the website we launched today. And there are lots of opportunities on there if you want to volunteer, donate, whatever, or just catch up with us and find out what we're up to on a day. RebeccaForGovernor.com. What's the best way to fight COVID under a clayfish uh, governorship? Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of the solutions that we've seen. However, I don't think a part of that combination is forcing the government in between doctor and patient relationships. We know that I had cancer. I have a pre-existing mm-hmm. condition. And at the same time, I have fought to assure that people with pre-existing conditions have health care, but that government doesn't dictate anything in between a doctor and a patient relationship. So I don't think that government should be telling people what they should do with their health care, period. If you want to wear a mask, then by all means, you should. If you have a a pre-existing condition or if you have comorbidities and your doctor is encouraging you to do that, then no one should make you feel bad for doing that. But at the same time, We need to make sure that the people who want vaccines can get them and the people who choose not to also have that right. That's not government's role. How is your health? Because that, as as you and I have known each other for all all these years, um, battling cancer as you did, um, it's 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 uh, it's always amazing. Anytime I meet anybody who has fought that battle, maybe the most important battle that they'll ever fight, political or otherwise. How are you doing personally? I'm good. Thank you for asking. I'm good. I'm fine. You know, I think that sometimes um, stuff like that happens so that you can listen with more empathy, and you have a life experience that you can share with. You know, for me, 80 people a day in the state of Wisconsin who are told the words, you have cancer. And as you know, I had colon cancer, and so I literally had half my gut cut out of me. But I'll tell you this, Scott, even with half my guts, I've got twice as much guts as Tony Evers to fight for Wisconsin. <laughs> I, I, all right. I, I watched your, uh, your announcement uh, this morning. <laughs> when you dropped that line, I went, okay, that's pretty good. That's a pretty <laughs> good line. Uh, 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 Rebecca, that that that's all right. There's a T-shirt there. There's a T-shirt there. I don't, ha- I don't have these scars for nothing. <laughs> On the way out, last question for you. And you're very generous with your time. For people who are unfamiliar with you, maybe they're new to Wisconsin since uh, the end of the Walker era, and they're hearing, okay, this lady just announced today that she's going to run for governor. In a nutshell. Who are you, and why would you be the best candidate? Why would you beat Tony Evers for people who have no idea who you are? I'm a mom, I'm a cancer survivor, and I'm someone with the experience and the passion to fight for the great state of Wisconsin. For those folks who don't know what a lieutenant governor does, it's like being the vice president of a state, for example. 
I had my own policy issues I fought for. I was a co-chairman of the governor's task force on opioid abuse, the task force on minority unemployment. I led the governor's tax reform round tables and started the governor's small business summit and small business academy to teach prospective new entrepreneurs how to start their own businesses. I have fought as the jobs ambassador for associated builders and contractors, fought for more trades education and vocational classes in schools across this state. But ultimately, I'm a leader who is strong, who is unafraid of going back into the fight for people of Wisconsin, who just want someone honest, someone reasonable, and someone who will never stop working as hard as they do. Can a fighter be a uniter as well? 100%. The vast majority of Wisconsinites simply want someone reasonable and honest who represents them and has life experience similar to theirs. Tony Evers has spent almost his entire life as a bureaucrat or someone who's paid by the government. I have gone from the private sector as a watchdog journalist to a stay-at-home mom, and I started my own small business from my own home. I was lieutenant governor, gaining experience for years under Governor Scott Walker, became the only lieutenant governor in American history to beat a recall election. And I did it while I was undergoing chemotherapy, by the way. Since then, I've run a federal agency celebrating the 100th anniversary of the 19th Amendment, Women's Right to Vote. When I came back, I started a policy organization that has now put out a document recommending the 56 top best ideas we need to accomplish as conservatives for a brighter future for Wisconsin because the people of this state deserve better tomorrows. Former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish, now hat thrown into the ring for the Republican primary to uh, challenge Tony Evers next fall. I appreciate your time. You've given me more than I originally uh, told Alec I would ask for, and it means a lot. Thank you so much. Promise me you'll come back at some point and we can talk again. Oh, my gosh, I would love that, and we'll do it in studio next time. Probably would have been more fun if I could have come down to Summerfest. But um, my kids were there last night. They went to see the Jonas Brothers. Good stuff. Rebecca Clayfish, thank you. And uh, safe travels on the campaign road. Thanks, Scott. RebeccaForGovernor.com. There she goes. The race heating up in earnest now as uh, Scott Walker's former number two and uh, somebody who fought back a recall effort herself, obviously, looks to challenge Tony Evers. Scott Warris. In for Jeff Wagner, I'm going to get some of your reaction to what you just heard from Rebecca Clayfish as we continue live from Summerfest on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We can live beside the ocean. Everclear, 4 o'clock this afternoon. you got a couple hours to plan yet. Miller Lite Oasis. Well, there you just heard from uh, former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish, who uh, kind enough to join us, and we'll certainly talk to her. And I know Jeff and Steve and all of us at WTMJ are more than happy to talk to all the people that throw their hats in the ring, and that includes the governor himself in Tony Evers, of course. I say Governor Rebecca Clayfish 
What do you say? 855-616-1620. It is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Whether it's what you heard from her right there, now as an official, official, official candidate, what you remember of her as our lieutenant governor, what she's done over these uh, last few years after uh, Tony Ebert's administration came in and defeating Scott Walker. I say you say. I say Governor Rebecca Clayfish because as each candidate announces their run for their respective primary, well, there's only going to be a Republican primary, we know, but you have to think, you have to ask yourself, Governor Fill in the blank with that name. And is that someone that you would give consideration to? Just, I say Governor Rebecca Clayfish. You say what? 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Your calls and your texts. As we continue, Scott and for Jeff on WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Everclear brings us back on the Wagnerless program. 855-616-1620. AccuNet Mortgage. Talk and text line. If you're on the line, hold on, be patient, Kyle will get to you. I say Governor Rebecca Clayfish, and you say what? I may do this as each candidate formally announces and rolls out their respective primary campaign. A little word association. They're a candidate, so you got to allow yourself to think down that road and some of these initial reactions, sometimes they hold up, sometimes they change over time as you get to know these men and women a little bit more. So what say you? 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. If you're on the line, hang on. The text screen is fired up. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All the good comes in waves. Quinn 92, that's Quinn 92, performing tonight at the Generac Power Stage, 10 o'clock show. 92 is in Roman numerals. I said, what are you doing putting Roman numerals in your group's name? Nobody knows Roman numerals. 855-616-1620. All right, let's go to your reaction. Uh, We had uh, former Lieutenant Governor Rebecca Clayfish on uh, just a few minutes ago. You heard from her? First time officially as a candidate for governor. She says she can beat Tony Evers. I I wanted to kind of cover a lot of the, the, the big topics with her, and I um, anticipating chances to talk again in the future. We'll delve a little deeper into some of them. I realize uh, many of you saying, well, uh, she didn't quite answer this question or that question, and I, I wanted to cover kind of the... Um, the breadth of topics, more th- more so than any depth, just to kind of, you know, set the table a little bit for her candidacy as we move forward. But I say Governor Rebecca Clayfish, and you say what? Let's start with Scott. He is calling us from uh, South Milwaukee this afternoon. Scott, I say Governor Rebecca Clayfish. What say you? Um, I, I heard Rebecca's interview, um, and my take is that she is she is candidate via Vukmir 2.0. She offers nothing new. 
Her talking points are standard GOP new candidate announcements, announcement talking points. As an example, when she refers to government employee employment, she spent a considerable part of her career, whatever, employed in, employed in government as well. So she so she lacks credibility there. Um, Re- Rebecca is a hangover from the from the decisive Walker years, and we need a candidate who can get us past the Walker Clayfish divide and conquer mindset. Let me ask you this, Scott: Are are you a Republican? I'm. I'm. I, I'm an independent, whatever who votes, okay. whatever who votes for the candidate who I feel best represents my my needs. Sure. And okay. I, and I no, just feel enough. that Rebecca Clayfish. Oh no! Right, right. No, I, I understand. I, I, no, I got you, Scott. I just wanted to understand where you were coming from on the political spectrum. That's perfectly fine. Because here's my follow up to you: um, Is Scott Walker? And I don't know the answer to this. I, I'm curious to know. Like, do you think Scott Walker is 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 a benefit? To Clayfish's candidacy, again, primary candidacy, but we're talking, can she beat Evers right now? Is, is he ultimately a benefit to her? Is, is, it, is it a negative? Is it a, you know, is it a some zero type of thing? Will, will it not move the needle for people? What is the Walker factor in her ability to beat Evers? What do you think, Scott? Um, my take in the state of Wisconsin is that, is, is that Scott Walker and his tactics that he has a base of support that she that she'll be able to that she'll be able to leverage um, in the primary season, but I I truly believe that a another candidate on the GOP side is going to emerge who is going to bring in a different level of enthusiasm, um, a different way of portraying his his or her policy initiatives, um, which is gonna, which I believe is going to um, push the Walker base. Um, to the back, whatever, to the back of the room, and kind of eliminate them from the state of Wisconsin politics. Do you have a name? You have a name? Um, I don't have. I, I don't have a name right now. Um, whatever, but I. But I. I mean, like the names that are being thrown out there are Whitman, um, Whitman, uh, um, Kevin. Um, I, I, like I said, I, I mean, I, I mean, I like Kevin Nicholson. Nicholson. Whatever, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that Kevin Nicholson in the primary against Lee Vukmir that he kind of got sabotaged by the um, by by the GO, by Wisconsin GOP establishment. Um, I think that he's vulnerable. There's that Eric Hovde, whatever, out of out of Madison, who's a, who's a success who's a successful businessman. I just think that there's better candidates out there um, than than Rebecca Clayfish. I mean, I just think that Rebecca Clayfish is a hangover from the Walker years, and she's trying to live off her. Well, she wants to live off her relationship with, with Scott Walker and whatever in her inferences, whatever to Donald well, Trump. And I just think that people I mean, in the state of Wisconsin I, are beyond that. Thanks for the call. I appreciate your uh, your feedback, Scott, and your perspective. I I will be interested to see how the Walker factor plays into her attempt to win the primary. First of all, I mean, among Republican voters in Wisconsin. I don't hear a lot of Republicans in Wisconsin that do not look back on the Walker era without a great fondness. Now, I did say Governor Rebecca Clayfish, which means I'm already looking ahead to the general election. I realize that. That was the question I asked. I do think there's something she brings, and you saw it today and you heard it today, that Evers truly struggles with. And 
has always struggled with. And yet he was able to overcome this deficiency, I would say, in beating Scott Walker. But first, back to the phones. Nina, it's Tom. Tom joins us on the WTMJ. Tom, I say Governor Rebecca Clayfish. You say? I don't have an idea who, but with her still echoing, she didn't want to answer that question completely about the investigation in the last election. You have to just end it. It's done. That one's done. The people that she's trying to save will never be saved. They are the people that will continue after 50 states do 50 investigations. They will still be saying, no, Trump won. And Rebecca Clayfish has to step out and say, that election's passed. Let's go on to the next one. We lost it. And that would give Tom, some credibility. Tom, yeah. Yes. Does that... No, here's I, the, here's the, here, here, no, hang on. I haven't asked the question yet. Does that go ahead. No. win... Does that win her the primary, though? Because in my mind, like, I'm trying to think, as a Republican running for the primary, I have got to find a How do I thread that political needle which garners me the Trump voter who thinks he got screwed and do, does not think Joe Biden is the legitimate president and... I need to attract the Republican voters who want no part of Trump. We lost. Let's move on. It's time to put a period on that era and move on. I got to try to get both sides. I got to get all those people to vote for me in the primary. And it's not just Clayfish. I mean, let's watch Tom and let's listen to see how others who try to vie for the for for, for, the, for the primary victory. How do they? look to thread that needle. I think that's where it's really difficult. It's really tough. And you're right. It's going to be tough, I think, to to have them answer the question because you're really, in essence, as a Republican now in the primary, you're telling a certain percentage of the base, I'm not with you on this rather large issue. And that's tough to do if you're trying to win a nomination. I understand that, but the thing is, you're going to need magic or witchcraft to get those people because they they are so headstrong that this was a thrown election. How do you how do you convince them? I don't know, but the, yeah. you have to stay true to the Republican ideas and espouse them. And the other people, I guess, if you lose it, you lose it again. But mm. to try and get those people and pacify them, I think that's an impossible task. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Thank you very much. Here's the thing, we'll close on this, here is the thing that I immediately picked up from Rebecca Clayfish. She has an enthusiasm. There is an energy there. No, there is. And... One of the things I have found, and this has nothing to do with policy, this has nothing to do with any uh, real tangible um, uh, uh, platform. This is kind of that nebulous just thing. (laughs) How's that for a vague phrase? She has an energy. There's an enthusiasm there. And that is something that Tony Evers doesn't have. It's a, I think it's just a personality trait. You either have it or you don't just like other personality traits. Tony Evers 
is not that exciting of a speaker. You go to see Tony Evers at a, at a campaign rally, and you're kind of going, come on, man, wake up. Let's go. Are you excited about being governor? Are you excited about running for governor? Because you could have fooled me. And people pay attention to those things. I got a number of texts that have commented and appreciated her enthusiasm, her excitement on that stage today, and compared that to the lack thereof that we have seen during the Evers administration. Now, you'll say, Scott, well, look, he beat Scott Walker. Scott Walker had some fire in the belly, but uh, even then it was uh, sometimes it just was a little bit dull, a little bit iffy. And Evers was able to overcome it, though, is my point. He was able to overcome it and beat Walker. So, I mean, he's, he's proven he can win. I'm not saying that is the deciding factor. I just mean that when it comes to those intangibles, those nebulous variables that persuade people to vote one way or another, when you have a campaign rally, and what we saw today out of Clayfish was a spirited, fiery, excited, eager candidate, and you put that up against what we have right now in the governor's mansion, that is a very stark difference. What does it mean for the ultimate race? I don't know. But people don't underestimate the power of an enthusiastic speech. That can go a long way, rightly or wrongly. Those nebulous variables that we call in politics play a part in winning or losing. You may like that, but it's the reality. You may like or not like it or not, it is the reality of American politics. So who's the next candidate? Will it be Nicholson? Hovde? All blasts from the past, names from the past. We'll see. And we'll cover it for you. All right. See the campaign has just started. Let the record show. We dived uh, headfirst into the gubernatorial race here live from Summerfest in 2021 when we come back we'll uh, move along a little bit we're going to turn our attention now to something we've been doing every day this week pertaining to Saturday and uh, the anniversary of 9-11 Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner we are at Summerfest and we are WTMJ welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ you can call me Stacy you can call me love you can call me baby once again, Quinn 92, 10 o'clock tonight, Generac Power Stage here at Summerfest. Every day this week, I've devoted a portion of the Wagner List show to uh, some reflections on 9-11. And here as we culminate towards the end of the week, today and tomorrow, I want to hone in on a question that I've always been um, interested to learn the answer to from all of you. And... Um, we can start lining this up now at 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage, talk and text line. Question today, as we remember 20 years ago, the most enduring image still to this day. I mean, you think about it. How many images from 20 years ago in general do you still have in your mind? And how detailed are they? But there are moments from September 11th, 2001, there are images from September 11th, 2001, that I can still close my eyes and I can still see them. Vivid, detailed that they are. 
and you do too. And I'd like you to share with us what those images are at 855-616-1620. Real quickly, one of the images that I still have, driving home, I was in college then, but driving home on 92nd Street through West Allis, I still vividly, vividly remember the really eerie sight of cars lined up at a gas station off of uh, National Avenue. Because, if you'll recall... We thought we were going to war. Well, we did eventually. We thought we were going to... We didn't know when it was going to start, but we were going to go to war. And what would that do for gasoline prices? And on the afternoon and into the evening of September eleventh, two 2001, a Tuesday, you saw lines at gas stations, filling stations, and whatnot that, I don't know about you, I'd never seen before. And I can still remember that sight of cars lined up up and down a block, just looking to fill up a tank, because who knows how long that price for a gallon of gas would be at that level. Still one of the most enduring images I had from that day. And that's where we'll start. 855-616-1620. As we go to break, and as we get ready to take your calls, as we've been doing all week, we've been hearing from WTMJ voices of the past and the present, reflecting on how September 11th, 2001 played out for them and through this very radio station. Today, one of those voices from the past, a member of the Greenhouse, Phil Cianciola, who handled the news on the Greenhouse. Phil reflects back on September 11th, 2001, what it did to him, what it meant for the station, and for the world. Associated Press is reporting indeed that the number seven World Trade Center, it has been burning since then and just moments ago collapsed. I was out on a bike ride. It was a beautiful, beautiful weather morning. Got back from the ride and realized and watched the first tower come down. The entire building has just collapsed. The whole side has collapsed? The whole building has collapsed. First thing I did was grab my gear and by gear, I mean an old-fashioned tape recorder, microphone, cables. And I went right to downtown Milwaukee knowing I was going to be on the air. And I did my first live shot from right in front of, what was it called at the time? The first Wisconsin Center? You know, the one big, tall building in downtown Milwaukee. Why? Well, I was talking to people exiting the building. Nobody knew at that time if there'd be more planes. And in terms of air travel... There will be no air travel. Uh, if you had airplanes, there will be no air travel. As a guy who was on many years afternoons, you know, being funny and cute and doing bits and having a good time on the Greenhouse Show, it's very awkward to then suddenly have your world changed and be as serious as we needed to be week after week after week on that show. And I remember it was a couple of weeks probably at least before finally I told a joke on the air. And I received a letter from a listener after that and she said it was so great to hear you make a joke again it made the world seem a little more normal small steps live from the annex wealth management mobile studio at summerfest this is the jeff wagner show and now in for jeff wagner here's wtmj's scott warris 
2 o'clock hour in for Jeff Wagner. And uh, continuing our conversation, I just, can I be honest with you? I broke a uh, talk radio rule. I don't know if it's a cardinal rule, but it's a rule. Never solicit calls going into a news break. Eh, I kind of did there. But I, I, I wanted to at least get you in the, uh, the mindset. Start thinking about what we're going to do here for a few minutes in the 2 o'clock hour. And that, again, is your most vivid image, your most enduring image from that day, from September eleventh, two 2001, being that day. 855-616-1620. I do have to um, differentiate between that question and the where were you when question. We're going to do where were you when tomorrow, okay? So I don't want you to confuse the two and uh, some of the texts answer the where were you on 9-11. That's not the question we're talking about. You didn't have to be of any particular age to still have images flash through your mind. And as I said before the break, so what is your most vivid image of that day? When I say 9-11, the image that flashes into your mind is what? That's really the question at hand. I said that one of the vivid images for me, the lines at the gas stations that afternoon and that evening, because people didn't know the cost of... of, uh, gasoline where it would go in the days and weeks to come 855-616-1620 acunet mortgage talk and text line and let's go to uh, the text line here first george and waukesha my most enduring memory of the events of 9-11 still now was the footage of the man and the woman who jumped from the 20th or 30th floor of the towers, preferring to die by falling rather than burning to death. That will never leave me, George. A couple other people have mentioned that as well. And that is one image that I still have. I can still close my eyes, and I can see images of humans. The silhouette, as it were. Tiny little silhouette of a human body up against the backdrop of the towers, before they fell, obviously, in midair. That still kind of gives me chills to talk about and to think about. That image is one, like you, George, and like others, that I will never forget, that I will never be able to wipe from my mind, and I, I, I don't know that I want to necessarily either. I remember when I first saw that, particular image and it was more than just a man and a woman i mean there were many people unfortunately uh, succumbed to that fate because they had to choose and you just think about the decision that these men and women had to make do i try to jump out of a window on the who knows what floor 30th 40th 50th whatever Do I choose to jump out of this window rather than stay here? Is my fate worse staying or jumping? (laughs) The point at, at which you have to be to make that decision is unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. But that is an image. And I remember it's an image I, I thought, what? What is that? And then you go, oh, my God, 
Those are human beings jumping out of the Trade Center. 855-616-1620, the most enduring image, 20 years later, still vivid in your mind. Doug says, the airplane, that airplane sticking through one of the towers. The sil- let's talk about silhouettes. The silhouette, the outline, right? The outline of the airplane as it entered uh, the tower. And thinking about the people that were heading to the tower, and of course the ones in the building, Doug says. 855-616-1620. As we go through some of your vivid images of that day. It could be the way you consumed it as well. That's certainly a possibility. Flags, as a 262 says, flags on fire trucks and squad cars. Flags in front of many houses, buildings, and churches. President Bush's speech, but most of all, another one. People jumping to their death from the tower. I was living in South Carolina at the time, and it changed everything. Mm-hmm. Very first image, somebody else says, that comes to mind is the firefighters raising the flag on the pile of rubble. It represents the resiliency of America. Another person references the firemen putting up the flag amidst that rubble. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there were moments, we talked about this yesterday as uh, we discussed the unity and the unifying that occurred in this country in the days and months afterward. And the picture of Bush atop the rubble with the firefighter, uh, uh, his, his arms slung over the shoulders of a firefighter on the left, and the megaphone in his right hand, which I believe, by the way, talk about images, was one of his finest hours. I mean, here you had a president that was maligned and ridiculed for his inability to master the English language. Oh, my gosh. What's the latest gaffe? What's the latest word that he just made up out of the blue? And yet there, spontaneously delivered such a masterfully crafted line. And in that moment, it, it almost it's almost like it was scripted. That's how good it came off for President George W. Bush. To the phones we go. Tim is in Milwaukee. And uh, Tim, 20 years later, and yet what image is still burned in your mind? Uh, image burned in my mind is a crowd of people trying to leave the Pentagon, and somebody yelled out, we need help, and everybody spun around and ran back. Including, if you remember, Tim, if images, one of the images I have is, I believe, Donald Rumsfeld, Secretary of Defense, Donald Rumsfeld, there in his suit coat, helping to carry people out. Do you remember that, too? He was one of the people who, I, who ran to help. I don't remember that picture. Like I said, the, one, the biggest one that sticks in my mind is those people spinning around on the spot to go back and help. That, that defines an American. Thanks, Tim. That's a good one. I appreciate it very much. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line 855-616-1620. The image for you that is still as stark and as real today as it was two decades ago. If you're on the line, please hold. Be patient. We'll get to you. We continue with more after this 
on WTMJ. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Another text here on the 414, uh, the dust. Oh, my gosh, yes, the dust. Lots and lots of dust covering everything. Dust and dirt, those images out of uh, Manhattan. There are still, there were certain men and women that were just covered, and you still remember what they looked like, even now, even now. Oh, my gosh, back to the phones, here we go. Let's go to uh, Jim. He is in Green Bay, and uh, talking here about the enduring image. Jim, what's the uh, what's the flash image in your mind? Well, for me, I told your screener, it was all horrifying, and and you couldn't believe it was going on. But one thing, I was a contractor back then, and I was adding a room on a friend's house, and I got to his house that morning, and he was still sleeping. And I woke him up, and when I told him, we turned on the TV. And I think the thing that will always stick in my mind was the look of disbelief and horror on his face. Because I I couldn't see my own, but I could see his face. And that actually solidified it for me and made it real. I was was more stunned by the look he had, that that all of a sudden it was real. It wasn't real when I was just watching it on TV, but when I saw him, that will always stick in my mind forever. Have you ever seen a look on someone's face that would rival that moment, Jim? Since? No, I don't. Maybe death if someone dies, but, you know, but that's on a smaller yeah. scale. You're talking right. such a huge scale of death on this that it was, it was so right. disbelieving. So I think that's, like I say, that's what made it real for me was his face. And that, that's a look sure. I'll, I will never forget the look. Yeah. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it, Jim. 855-616-1620. Let's go to Kent. He is in Pewaukee. Good afternoon, Kent. The image you'll never forget. Good morning, afternoon, Scott. Uh, it would be like one of the very first images. There was a firefighter. They were out on, a, out on the street, and I think they were doing like a morning TV talk show. And the camera angle was like, down by the ground looking up at this firefighter as he was talking. I don't know what he was talking about. But as he was talking, the first plane flew over his head, almost that rooftop of all the skyscrapers. And he kind of turned around and followed it and made the comment, boy, I hope that thing gets through there. He's awful low. And I've always wondered whatever happened to that firefighter because that was like, you know, my biggest image is, you know, did he run to the towers? Is he still around? Um, you know, the very first airplane heading to the building. And no, at, that, yeah. at that point, nobody knew what was going on. That's a really good question in terms of, you know, you wonder whatever happened to him. Kent, I, I believe, I, I think I know the footage of which you speak. And I believe that footage was put out later, you know, well after the fact. And I think... That yeah. fire department or th- th- those firefighters, they were, they were filming a training video of some sort. They they were out in Manhattan like that, that yeah. morning, filming some sort of a training video, and you're right, it's that camera angle from almost like hip high down on the sidewalk, looking up at the oh. firefighters. So you get him, and then behind him you get the top of the skyscraper, and you get the plane going through. 
And you're right. That is another one. Look, I just described it, and that was 20 years ago. I'm yeah, with you on yeah, that one, exactly. Ken. Thank you. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Let's squeeze in Pat before the break. Pat is in Racine. Hello there, Pat. Hi, how are you, Scott? I'm, I'm okay. Image you, for you. I, I worked um, at a corporation here in Racine that um, we had, um, I was an inside sales rep, and we had outside reps, and my territory I worked with was New York City. Um, and it was one gentleman named Frank, I remember, like, it was yesterday. He, um, I was on the phone with him, and I hear him say, oh, my God. I said, what, what? And he said, Pat, my city's on fire. And I, what is he talking about? And then somebody got up and ran over and said, everybody, look over. Somebody had brought it up on their computer, and everything was done by email back then. There was nothing. Nobody could text or anything. We're kind of watching over someone's shoulder. And the next thing I hear is Frank say, Hey, Pat, man, I got to go. Nice knowing you. And it was, it's the sound of the silence after that phone went dead. Will haunt me forever. He lived, but he never went back to work from the, from the trauma. But just that, that, for him to say that to me, and then all of a sudden the phone is just gone. That silence, it, might, it was probably five seconds. It might as well have been an eternity. How long before you communicated with, with, with your friend again? Um. We we found out everybody else in the territory was was safe, but his phone was his phone was down. He um, was stuck. He was stuck in Midtown for hours and hours, and nobody heard from him for like two days later. And I was just I was just heartbroken until I heard he was okay. Yeah. But just yeah, it was that was quite wow. the day. Thank you, Pat. Appreciate you sharing that with us. We'll take a quick break. After the break, Jeff Wagner, obviously. A current host at WTMJ, except this week when he's on vacation, I'm filling in for him. But Jeff Wagner had a daily show on this radio station 20 years ago. We'll get uh, some thoughts from Jeff as he reflects back on that day and what it did for him and for the station in just a couple of moments. You won't want to miss it. Scott Warris in for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. In some respects, it seems like forever. In other respects, it seems like just yesterday. Apparently, a plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center here in New York City. I was at my home in Whitefish Bay preparing the show. I had the television on, and I saw the first plane that flew into the World Trade Center. I heard a broom walked up, and there was a big ball of fire. A lot of people thought it might have just been an aviation incident. Oh, another one just hit. Something else just hit. A very large plane just flew directly over my building, and there's been another collision can you see it I yes see it on the after the second plane oh flew into the second tower we knew it was something incredibly different and now you you have to move from talk about a possible accident to talk about something deliberate 799-1234-799-1620 when i ended up getting on the air we were still in the fog of war we were still trying to figure out what exactly happened going into war and i think i remember taking phone calls from people and just the absolute shock that we all had that our country could be exposed in this fashion i heard the second plane you know on the radio crash into the world trade center i have to cheer up because i realize 
that the world has changed and it's, it's no longer that feeling of security that I had as, as a kid in the 80s. Now I know what my parents went through at Pearl Harbor. I think the difference is that... 9-11 shaped this country in some ways for the good, in some ways for the bad. But I can also remember that in many respects, it, it helped shape my career as a talk show host. This was something that changed the way we looked at the world, then and forever.